This is the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Podcast. Here at Peter Creek, we honor God by making more disciples for Jesus Christ. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged with this week's message from Pastor Kelly Baldridge. Well, let's take our copy of God's Word and turn to the New Testament book. Can you guess which one? Ephesians. Uh, can you guess which chapter? Chapter 3. All right, turn to Ephesians chapter 3 with me. Paul moves here in Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19, from talking about our love uh, that we have rooted and grounded in love to Christ's love. We need strength and power for both. That is the prayer that Paul prays for the Ephesians and a prayer for us as well. To understand the love that we are to have and to understand and to comprehend the love of the Lord Jesus Christ is a weighty thing. And so we need strength ourselves. And so he's going to tell us the dimensions for the love of Christ. It is a building that you can begin to see, but it is a building so vast and so great that you cannot fully grasp it. He tells us how broad it is, how long it is, how deep it is, how high it is. The love of Christ in 4D, four dimensions. In Romans 8, Paul told uh, the Romans about this love. He said, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The love of our Savior. The love of the Lord Jesus. Here Paul takes us to the highest of heights with these words in this prayer. And yet we are not to ascend this mountain alone. And we're going to see that in this text that he tells us that this is something that we are to gain and grasp together as brothers and sisters in Christ, as all the saints, something we're meant to know together. In other words, you can know something of Christ's love on your own, but it will be limited, limited. It's not an opinion. It's not what I think, but it's what the text tells us. This is a love that is only measured together. John Stott said it this way. It needs the whole people of God to understand the whole love of God. All the saints together, Jews and Gentiles, men and women, young and old, black and white, with all their varied backgrounds And experiences. So, brethren, let us join together in prayer around the word of our loving Savior. Father, we come before you in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and we understand that we are ascending to the heights. And yet, Father, it will surpass knowledge. And so we come to this weighty text seeking your Spirit's help and guidance, that we may honor you in the preaching of it and the hearing of it, 
that we will worship you not only in the preaching, but also in the listening. And so give us ears to hear what your spirit would teach us. For it's in Christ's name we pray, amen. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our Lord endures forever. I want to begin by sitting down with you at a restaurant for some reason, I, well, I was raised in a restaurant, so I enjoy restaurants. And I enjoy when restaurants are nice restaurants and they do things right and they do things well. One of the things that you'll do, though, in a restaurant is you'll look at the menu. So we sat down, we probably ordered our drinks, and then we look at the menu, we try to find something, and you begin to read. A good restaurant might include something like this. Slow cooked for eight hours. This intensely flavored and juicy lamb shank infused with fresh rosemary and sage is a house specialty. Served with smooth mashed potatoes and char-grilled crispy asparagus topped with a tangy golden brown glaze for a meal hard to forget. You may want to enjoy that meal. You may not like lamb, but bear with me. Nonetheless, we hear intensely flavored, juicy, smooth, crispy, tangy, hard to forget. This sounds wonderful. Your brain is working. You imagine what this must taste like. But do you actually know what it tastes like? Do you know that it's actually intensely flavored? Do you know that it's actually juicy? Do you, do you know that it's tangy and the asparagus is crispy? No. How will you know? You taste it. You order it. And then when it comes and it sits before you, even just by looking at it, you still have it, understand it, stood it and grasped it. You may have the smells, but it's not until you taste it that you know it. So it is with the love of Christ. We know it's described in the scriptures. We understand how it's described and we are gonna consider this. But the love of Christ to you, believer, is not just something that you should know about in your brains, but you should know in your hearts. The Lord works in this way, teaching us, describing to us, but it is something for us to experience. And that's what Paul is praying for the Ephesians. And this is what you and I need ourselves We need not only to know about the love of the Lord Jesus, but we need to taste it for ourselves. And so we have this four-dimensional picture of the love of Christ 
that we can only take a glimpse of, because notice what he says in verse 19, that it surpasses knowledge. So even though we take this glimpse and even though we experience it and taste it, we don't fully grasp it. We can't fully comprehend it. But let us consider this love of the Lord Jesus together. First, to know the love of Christ is the highest achievement in the Christian life. To know the love of Christ is the highest achievement in the Christian life. These prayers that Paul is praying for the Ephesians is such a wonderful, beautiful prayer. I hope that as we've considered it very slowly that you've seen the intricate details of it and seen how wonderful and actually majestic it is. But all of those things he's prayed for us reaches its, its climactic point. It's, it, the top of the mountain is here that we would know the love of Christ. And so it's the highest achievement. And as we speak of this highest achievement, first we want to say this, you, you grow in it. You grow in it. When you become a Christian, you have a, a, your first taste, the first bite of that lamb, the first taste, the first bite of this love of Christ, but you do not know it in its fullness. And it would be silly for you to think, oh, all I need to do is, is to be saved and be baptized, and then I can live as I please and do as I please. I don't need the church. I don't need anything else. I don't need any more Bible. That would be silly because you would only have a little taste of the love of Christ, and you would not gain the fullness of it. And so to know the love of Christ as the highest achievement in the Christian life is first and foremost to understand that you will grow in this. You'll grow in this. You should be growing in this. But secondly, we understand that you will actually know it. You will actually know the love of Christ. Now, what I mean is that it's not a concept. It's not a theory. The love of Christ is not a theory to to be grasped by studying it. But as you study it, you begin to know that it is actual love. It is actual love. If I only loved my wife in theory, she would not be with me any longer. If, If when we were married, if it was just a theory that we were going on, There's no true love, is there? Love is not a concept. Love is an actual thing. It is real. And so you can actually know the love of Christ, personal knowledge of his love, that you can actually experience his love, that you can think of your life and think of what Christ has done and you can understand what he has done and you can benefit from what he's done and you can actually Know it as you know him. But in this highest achievement, not only is it something that you grow in and actually know, but you are also to experience it. That's what we're saying. In other words, you've read the description and you have tasted of it. You've tasted it. 
You've not just gained a little bit of mind knowledge. You've not just gained a little bit of understanding of what Christ has done, but you actually have experienced and tasted that Christ is indeed good. Taste and see that the Lord is good, the psalmist says. And so for you and I, we understand that knowing is not enough. Gaining head knowledge is not enough, but it goes to our heart. It stimulates our soul. It stimulates our being. It gives us life and vitality. That's why it's the highest achievement in the Christian life. But secondly, to experience the love of Christ is for a particular people. To experience the love of Christ is for a particular people. Notice what he says. You may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth? All the saints. First, I want you to see that it's for the saints alone. The world knows nothing of the love of Christ. They can study the scriptures, but apart from saving knowledge of who the Lord Jesus is, they can not only see, they can only see glimpses of his love, but not know his love. They can see that he hung out with tax collectors and sinners. They can see that he cared for those that the world would cast out. They can see a glimpse of his love, but yet they do not understand why he loves them. They do not understand the love of Christ in that way. This is for the saints alone. This is for Christians alone. The word saint there is not a Catholic word. This word saint is the word to every believer that all of us are saints because we have been set aside by the Lord, chosen to be his. We've been saved. We've been sanctified. We've been set apart. And when Paul writes to these Ephesians, he is writing to the saints at Ephesus just as I'm preaching to the saints in Phelps. This is for the saints alone. But it's also for all the saints. It's for all the saints. You have the tendency to think that a pastor, perhaps, would know the love of Christ because that's his responsibility. He is to study and to pray. He is a minister of the word and of prayer. And so it is his life to be devoted to that. But you need to hear that it's not just for the pastor whose life is devoted to the cause, but rather it is also for the retiree. It is also for the student. It is also for the nurse. It is also for those who are employed. It is also for those who are retired. It is also for those who, who draw disability. It is also for those who are at home, who are stay at home, moms or dads. It is for all kinds of people, for all the saints, not just for the pastor, not just for the elders, not just for the super Christians. It is for you, believer. It is for you to know and to experience the love of Christ. Now, to experience this love of Christ is also to know that you must be strengthened for it, for it is a strengthened people that know the love of Christ. That is what he prays. He prays that you may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. Why? Because the love of Christ is a weighty and overwhelming thing. 
If you think that the love of Christ is sweet and small and can be contained in a box, you have not the love of Christ. You know not his love. But to actually gain a full understanding of the love of God is an overwhelming thing. It takes over all of you. This is why Isaiah in the Old Testament, when he sees God in his temple, when he sees him on his throne, high and lifted up, and he hears the angels singing to the thrice holy God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. Isaiah says, woe is me, I'm undone. When John, who's on the island of Patmos, when he is in his near the end of his own life, he is old and gray-haired and he sees this picture of Christ and he sees him and it says that he fell at his feet as though dead. And so we must be strengthened to know the love of Christ. You must be strengthened to know this love. You are not gonna come to it easily. You're not going to come to understand it and to comprehend it just by not doing anything, but you must be strengthened. And so he prays that the Spirit of God would strengthen these brothers and sisters to understand the weightiness of the love of the Savior. It's not a simple love. It is a deep, heavy, weighty love. Let's go back to the Illustration we began with. You eat that lamb, you taste the flavors, and it just goes off in your mouth, and you're thinking, wow, this is wonderful. These different flavors, I can taste them all. But then, let's say you go to McDonald's, and you grab a cheeseburger. It doesn't have much flavor, does not it? It doesn't taste like anything. And so the love of Christ is not a cheeseburger, but it is a fine meal, one with many flavors and much joy as you taste it. But then I need you to see what we began with. This is to be experienced together. To be experienced together. It is all the saints together. You may be keeping others from experiencing the love of Christ by refraining from worshiping with God's people. That's what he's saying. By missing church, by missing the fellowship of the believers, by not attending worship, by staying at home. See, he tells us that we want to comprehend with all the saints. And so brothers and sisters, we need you here We need you here because when you come with your difficult weeks, when you come with your struggles, when we see that your body is wearing down, but we see the love of Christ in your soul, it strengthens us to see his love. And if you sin by not attending the assembly together, you not only cause your brothers and sisters to miss out on the love of Christ, but you yourself may be limiting your own knowledge of his love. 
This is not something that we are to experience on our own or by ourselves, but rather this is something that we are to know and to grasp and to comprehend together as brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, as those who've been bought with his precious blood. And then thirdly, we need to consider these dimensions. Let's begin to try to to grasp this great love. First, the breadth of this love. It is broad. It is wide. In Revelation 5, we hear of this. And they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. That the love of Christ is so broad that you cannot count how many peoples there are in heaven. That it is so broad that it goes to every tribe, tongue, nation, and land. That there are those who are worshiping the Lord on his day, not only in North America, but in South America, in Central America. That there are those who are in Europe. That there are those who are in South Africa. That there are those in Northern Africa. That there are those in China. That there are those who are in Australia. That all over the globe. There are those who are worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ because his love has reached them. In Revelation 5.11, John writes, Then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. And then in chapter 7, he says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. The breath of the love of Christ, that it goes so far and wide that we could not even begin to understand or even count those it goes to. But then also the length, the length of his love. In this we speak a little bit of endurance in time. First, it's from eternity. Has always loved you is what the truth is here. That Christ has always loved the believer. That the Christian has been loved from eternity past. That in eternity past, we understand what the Bible teaches us. That he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. If we want to go back to Revelation, we talk about those names that have been written in the book of life. Now, when was your name written in the book of life of the lamb who was slain? Was it when you were saved, when you were converted? No. The Bible says that our names were written before the foundation of the world in that book. The love of Christ is from eternity. It's from the past, even before you were born, even though, even before you were a thought, even before you sinned against God, he loved you from eternity. The length of his love also comes to us in the present. How do we know that Christ loves us today? Because Hebrew tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, 
today and tomorrow. That he will never leave us nor forsake us. That he says he is with us always, even to the end of the age. And so the love of the Savior, it goes from eternity into the present, but it also goes to to eternity. It is a love that takes you all the way home. He loves us then, he loves us now, and he will love us always. There's no scene with George Jones if he stopped loving her today. We're closer if we sing with Randy Travis of the love forever and ever. Amen. The length of the love of Christ is from eternity to eternity. But then the depths, the depths of his love, the depths. I want to go to the depths first so we can then end with the heights. But the depths, you first must consider what he came from. It says of Christ that though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. In other words, he is God. He has always been that the son of God has always been the, the son of God who was there in the beginning who is the uncreated one, who always has been and always will be, that the one who is on the throne left his throne and came to earth. Where he comes from is something that we must understand if we are to understand his love. Because then you consider what he came to. In Philippians, it continues to say that Christ emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed to him the name that is above every name. That the Lord Jesus came from heaven to earth, that in his life, in his life on this earth, he came to a place to where he would suffer, that he would suffer and die and be buried. That he is the one who is scourged because of his love for you. That he is the one who is spat on because of his love for you. He is mocked. His clothes are torn from him. His hands are pierced. His feet are pierced. His side is pierced. Because of his love for you, the depths that he would come to, that he would leave a throne and the security of heaven and come to earth and take for himself a body for you because of his love for you. So not only do we consider what he came from and what he came to, but you also need to consider who he came for. As it is written, Romans teaches us, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asp is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. The depths of Christ's love that he comes not for those who are lovely he doesn't come for those who have it together he doesn't come for those who are right he comes to the deepest of pits and he finds you in the deepest of pits and if you're here today and you feel there's no way that Christ could save me here is your proof that he can because he comes to the depths
to save not those who are righteous, but those who are not righteous, to those who are sinners, to those who are evil, to those who were his enemies. Why? So he can take us to the heights. To the heights. What does he do to take us to the heights? First, he forgives us. But Christian, you must understand this, that you being forgiven is not the height of your Christian life. That being forgiven is wonderful. It's a wonderful beginning place. But not only does he forgive us of our sins, but then he also makes us sons. He takes those who were enemies and he puts them at the table of God the Father and makes them sons. He takes us to the heights. He sends his spirit within us. The same spirit that assisted him, that aided him, that was with him in his life and ministry is the spirit he puts within us. That he unites us to himself that we're united to Christ in his death and his resurrection. And we are united to him even in the spiritual places, even in heaven, even now. And he also makes us like himself. He doesn't leave us where we're at when we were forgiven. He actually changes us. He transforms us. He makes us like him, that you and I will show forth the fruit of the Spirit, that Christ is changing us wholly and completely, and that we will be as he is. That's why we read in Philippians, not only has he changed our character, but he even gives us a new body. Our citizenship, Paul says, is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. He takes us from the depths to the heights. And the beautiful thing is, not only does he make us like him, not only does he change us with our character and give us a new body. But the good news is he takes us with him. Jesus prays in John 17, one of his last prayers that he prays on earth. Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me, they may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. That's what Christ has prayed for you, Christian. He takes us to the heights with him. Now this is the love of Christ, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height. It's something that we do not fathom all at once. It is not something that we can fully comprehend. In fact, the t text tells us it surpasses knowledge. But maybe you're here today and you are in a state of depression, that you are discouraged in life that you are struggling with the circumstances of your life. Some of you are facing trials that you've never faced before. Some of you are dealing with health issues that, that have you worried and perplexed. Some of you have family issues and family concerns. You have work concerns. You have financial concerns. And you are easily confused, easily worried, easily turned aside. What can you do? Stand back. And take a look at the love of Christ. 
See this four-dimensional object, not a concept, but something that is actual and real. See what Christ has done. See his love for you. And may you be encouraged when you consider the Savior. May you be strengthened in your discouragement, in your, in your struggles, in your spiritual depression, or whatever it may be, by looking at the love of Jesus Christ. Before you turn to those things that cause you grief and sorrow, turn to Christ. Consider his love for you. And brothers and sisters, we ought to do this together. We need each other to proclaim this truth to our hearts. We need each other so that we may be strengthened together in Christ. May the Lord grant us strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. Let's pray. Most gracious Father, we come to you not as those who are strong and mighty, but we come to those, come to you as those who are weak and often wounded. And we know the only balm that will heal our wounds is the love of Christ. And so, Father, I pray that you would help to make it clear in our hearts that we would hold on to what Christ has done, what Christ has, has accomplished. Father, that we would consider your love for us. That this son of yours, your only begotten son, you did not spare him. And so, Father, may we know this love, not just in our minds, but also, Father, we pray that we would know this love in our hearts. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If God has used this message to influence you or you would like more information about our church, connect with us on the Peter Creek Presbyterian Church Facebook page. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages from Pastor Kelly Baldridge.